All right, sorry about that. My name is uh, Greg Petersheim, the executive pastor here at Grace Point Church of Paradise, and I'm glad to have you here with us. Glad also uh, for those that are listening online via Facebook Live, welcome you as well. Um, someone last week was like, wait, I didn't realize that was actually live live, like happening right now. I got a text about something actually... Uh, um, uh, Dale Hoover got a text like, hey, yeah, hey, we'll go on the mission trip from Florida because they were actually watching online. It's like, oh, this is great. This is awesome. And also, if you're listening uh, via our podcast later, we want to welcome you as well to that. Well, yes, um, if you're here this morning, welcome to part three of a, a four-part series simply called Stand Firm. And what we're trying to do is just answer the question of how, how do we know that we're doing enough how do we know that we're doing the right things uh, in order to be able to stand firm in this life, in order to be able to uh, just stand firm in the midst of all that life brings us, the waves of life, the troubles of life, the things of life? How do we know that we're doing what we can do and what we should be doing in order to be able to stand firm? And we're looking at a letter uh, Paul wrote to an early church in Ephesians, and we're using uh, in Ephesus, and we're using Ephesians 6, uh, and we're starting at the end of chapter 10 there. We're looking at the end of this letter that he's writing, and he's writing this new church, and he's encouraging them to be able to stand firm, to be able to, if you want to be able to stand firm in the strength of the Lord, here's what you do. And he lays it out to this early church, and we're using that uh, as a template uh, for this four-week series. And so I want to start off just by reading kind of where we've been so far and what he's told uh, the church so far. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to, take your, to stand your ground, and after that you've done everything to stand." Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So far, we've, we've looked at this, uh, what Paul has said in the first week, we talked about this idea of perspective, and this idea that we try things on our own, we, we try to fight, and Paul says, don't fight, uh, we don't war against flesh and blood, uh, we don't fight the same way that, that the world fights, then we need to have a different perspective, and a perspective that comes from God and kind of this, His source, and that's what we need to be uh, focused on, to, to view the world from His view uh, rather than on our, on our own view, and we looked at that a little bit. Last week, we looked at the, uh, what Paul started with, the armor of God, and he said, there's some things I want you to put on. There's some things I want you to clothe yourself, to sink into. I want you to sink into um, his righteousness, not a righteousness that we try on our own and we do our own things and, and we try to earn a right staying with God and with others, but I want you to, I want you to put on Christ's righteousness. And as God sees you, he sees Christ, and he sees the righteousness of Christ, and this idea of putting on this jersey or this uniform, the idea of we, we're, it's something beyond ourselves, it's identifying ourselves with something bigger and more powerful than ourselves. And out of that righteousness, we move in the Holy Spirit in those good acts, but it's not because we're trying to earn a spot, it's because we have a right spot with God. And Paul says, I want you to put on uh, peace. I want you to put it on the shoes of the gospel of peace. And, and instead of trying to get so focused on life and all the problems and everything that's going around you and your, your head is down and you're left vulnerable to the attacks, I want you to be able to put on the peace 
the shoes ready with the peace of the gospel. Put that on, clothe that on, sink into his peace, his sovereignty. That no matter what you're going through, God is in control and God is alive and he's active and the world is still, you know, the stuff you're standing on is still a mess, there's still a mess around you, but I want you to put on the peace that comes from God. Now, he also said, I want you to put on the truth, the, belt, the buckle of truth. In a world where all of us, if we're honest, there's voices in our, uh, around us, there's environments around us that keep kind of saying who we are and that kind of thing and defining us and usually in a negative way. But, um, he, and it's very subjective. It's kind of whatever, it changes, it's all over the place. But Paul says, no, I want you to put on the truth of who you are in Christ. We watched a video last week of Hosanna Wong. I would encourage you to watch that again if you haven't seen it. Um, of, of who we are in Christ, that we're loved, that we are chosen, that we're his child. And, and to rest in the truths, the solid truths that don't change, they're written down for us. And Paul says, I want you to put on Put that on. I want you to put on these things. I want you to, to clothe yourself. I want you to sink into these things. And he goes on in his letter, and um, that's where we want to go on as well. Um, in addition to all of this, verse 16, and I love this, in addition to all of this, uh, you know, he listed only three things. I mean, there's so many things that we have in Christ, but he lists three things. But he's like, in addition to all of this, because it is amazing, if we really put on righteousness and peace and truth, it is so much. And I love this. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that's what we want to talk a little bit this morning about is this idea of taking up. I, I, want you to, I want you to take these things up. They're here in front of you. They're here. They're free for you. They're a gift from you. But I want you to take them up. I want you to become active in them. I want you to activate them. I don't want it to be dormant, but I want it to be something, a faith that is active. That's what that's supposed to be, like a little energy ball there. This is alive. It's active. It's not just these things that, okay, you might have on the side and there might be part of you. It's not even the things that we're supposed to put on, like our identity, but it's these things that we're supposed to take. And I said, I want you to take them up. I want you to make them active in your life so that you can stand firm in the power and the strength of the Lord. And after everything, stand firm. And we use this phrase, take up. You know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I want to start taking up golf. And, you know, well, what does that mean? Well, you, you actually go out with a friend or something and, you know, and then eventually you buy clubs and you kind of get in, you, you become active in it. You don't just, you know, not do it and say that, yeah, I'm taking that up. You know, you might take up scrapbooking. You know, and I don't know, you buy scissors? I don't know, what, you know, and paper, some tape, done. Pretty much it, right? Yeah, little things like that. You know, I don't, I don't know, you know, obviously not a big scrapbooker. But you actually become active in it. You actually do it. You actually sit down and take the last 30 years of pictures that you had in your closet and actually do something with it. And you become active in that. You, if you want to become, you know, I want to take up skydiving, you're going to have to jump out of a plane sometime. You're active. It's this idea of not of taking something that could be dormant or something that just on the side, but becoming active and taking that um, instead of just uh, taking that up and becoming active in that. The first thing that that or one of the things that Paul uh, instructs the early church to take up is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And that's what I want to talk a little bit about this morning here too, is that, you know, what does it mean to be active in the Word of God? What does that mean to take up the Word of God? 
And, it, it, you know, if, if you're part of this church, a member of this church, or you go on our website, our doctrinal statement, number one, is, you know, we believe that the Bible is inspired, inerrant, infallible, authoritative, written Word of God. You know, this is core to us. We believe that this is the Word of God that is written for us, that it is alive and active as well. The, to the early listener to the, the, the church in Ephesus, when they would have heard Paul writing this Word of God part, they had, in the Greek language, there was actually three words which we interpret word of God, word of God and they, they would have three different words. So when we hear word, we think one thing. They, they had three different things that meant word of God. It could be transcribed word of God. The first one was just simply the words on the page, the literal black and white or red words on the page. That was the word uh, that, you know, one of the words and, and that was, has authority, has uh, instruction, has value. The second one meant more of the, the author's intent. What were they really trying to get at here? And if you study Bible or learn how to study the Bible courses and you learn her hermeneutics and all those fun things, uh, that's kind of what you get into. It's like, okay, what was the culture like? What was the author like? Who is the audience? What, you know, what kind of things would they have been facing in the world around them? Then, and what is, what is the words that are written here, black and white? What do they mean? What did the author mean by what he was saying? And we believe there, there's intentionality of that, and we believe there's authority in that as well. But there's a third meaning, and, and this was the meaning that Paul used in this passage. It was, it, it's the idea that the, the Spirit illuminates the Word, that it, it's not just words on the page, it's not just what the author intended, but it's literally the Holy Spirit enabling and illuminating the Word of God, the words that you speak, the words that are written down. And I think there's times, uh, hopefully for you as well as me, where there's, I'm going through a season and I'll just read something and the Holy Spirit just brings out a phrase or a verse or a passage that all of a sudden just cuts to my heart and cuts deep. And that's that Spirit moving. And that's, that's that alive and active Word and that's what Paul's talking about here. And honestly, we desire this even in our services here this morning and every, every morning, whether it's Tim preaching or whoever speaking, whatever, um, that there's words that are spoken and hopefully they have some encouragement, some you know, blessing, some you know, whatever to them. But there's also meaning. It's like, well, I know Greg meant to say that, like what he's really saying, because Greg's not as good putting words together as Tim, and I, I know what he meant. You know, those kind of things. There's meaning, but, but there's also the Holy Spirit moving. There are times that you'll sit here and there'll be things that the Holy Spirit just nudges you on. It might be a phrase that, that is said that isn't really even a main point or isn't something. So I'm amazed how many times someone will be like, man, that just really spoke to me. And I'm like, I didn't, did I even say that? Like, I'm not, I, I meant something. But okay, good. You know, that's, that's this idea. That's this, uh, the idea of the Word being alive and active and being moving. Cutting uh, Hebrews 4 says the Word of God is living and active sharper than any double-edged sword. And so we need to treasure this. We need to memorize this. So in those times when the troubles come, the times when waves come, the Word is quick to come from our mouth. The, the Spirit can move in ways because we keep the Word active in our life. And Paul says, if you want to stand firm, take up, make active the Word of God. The second thing that, or another thing that Paul talked about was his helmet of salvation, this idea of protecting our mind with salvation. And I think salvation can have uh, at least two different effects on our mind and, and different things that it can help us in our mind, and especially when it's active salvation. The first thing is this idea of that we are eternally saved. 
That if you believe in Jesus Christ, you are eternally saved. And that gives us a totally different perspective and worldview on, on the things around us. We know that we are not of this world. We know that the things of this world are going to pass in a blink of an eye. We'll be gone. And we are aliens to this world. We don't think the same way. We don't view things the same way. When we're walking with Christ, when we're putting this stuff on, but we, we, realize, we have this eternal perspective, which can be very beneficial to us, especially when times are tough, to kind of have this perspective, this eternal perspective in our minds of salvation. A couple years ago, my wife and I, about three years ago, my late wife and I, we were driving home from one of our um, doctor appointments. It was like our 5,375th one. And the... Um, it was one of those times where we, we got bad news, where it, it was um, the, tum the cancer is back. Um, it is the same kind of cancer. There isn't anything medically that we can do to, to cure this. We might be able to prolong it, and she did live another two years. We might be able to prolong it, but really from a medical standpoint of view, there's nothing, this, there's only one ending to this story. So we're, we're driving home, and we need to stop in at Walmart, which is everywhere you want to go after a meeting like that, right? I mean, that's very obvious. Um, so yeah, we're at the Lancaster Walmart, which has its own culture. Um, wow, yeah, you guys know what I mean. Anyway, yeah, so I pull in, and, and I pull into the, like, near the front, along the front of the building, and I have my left turn signal on to pull in, like, a row of, of parking. Uh, there. And so I have my left turn signal on, and I turn in, and God provides something miraculous. An empty spot, first spot in, you know, in a Walmart. Like, come on, you guys know this is a miracle. And so I, I pull in, and like I always do, I, I back into my spot, and, and we start getting out, and the car behind me pulled up right in front of me, like broadside, and rolled down this window. And I'm like, oh, it must be somebody I know. I mean, you know, and so I roll down with him. I'm like, oh, I don't recognize the guy. Or, you know, and just, he had a woman with him. And I'm like, ah, but still might know him, so I'll be nice, you know. And so he, he gets out. He, uh, he rolls down his window. And he's like, you took my parking spot. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Didn't know. He's like, yeah, you saw me back there, like way back. I put my left turn signal on and because I saw that spot and you saw me turn my signal on and then you took my spot. I'm like, dude, I had, man, I'm lucky. I even remembered I turned my turn signal. I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, and he's, you know, going off and, I, and I'm like, I, I really don't care about this spot right now in my life. Uh, and, I, and I told him, I said, hey, look, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I didn't see you. Yeah, you did. You saw me. Okay, yeah, I saw you. Um, and then, you know, I'm like, you can have my spot. Like, I'll, I'll leave. You can, you can have the spot. Like, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Well, no, you're there now. And you know, beep, beep, beep. Wasn't his horn. That was just the... <laughs> It was actually the censoring for, for video. But yeah, you know, he, he's, he's encouraging me with words. And so we get up, and so then he literally, this is a true story, you can't make this stuff up. He, he literally turns right, right into the first spot, handicap spot, and puts up his little lanyard sign or whatever, and gets, which is literally closer than what we are. Like, I, and I'm like, like, dude, like, if you had that, why you, you know? And this idea that for some reason the value of that parking spot was a lot different than what I had. The perspective that we had about that parking spot was way different for some reason. 
And the same thing with salvation. We have this idea, we have this stuff that happens in our lives and this idea that can protect our mind, to give us something. You know what? There's bigger things. You know what? There's eternity in view. And that's what an act of salvation does. Another thing that an act of salvation does is it sets us free right now. It's not just, salvation is not just an eternal concept. It's a, a concept right now that we are free from our sin. We are free from being a slave to sin. Sin will still happen, yes, in our lives, but we don't have to be a slave to it anymore. And Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. And there are times where there's struggles in our minds, there's temptations that come in our way, and it's like, oh man, I feel like I've been struggling with this sin forever, and I keep trying, I keep trying, nothing works. And he says, no, take up active sal uh, salvation. In your mind, become, have your salvation become active, that you are no longer a slave to sin, that you are free and that you are free indeed. So this renewed mind, this helmet of salvation, gives us both an eternally focused mindset and also is active right now, something we can use every single day. And the third thing, the last, actually the last piece of armor that we're going to talk about is the shield of faith. And we know, we know Hebrews gives us a definition, a working definition of faith. It says, now faith is confidence of what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. And, you know, it's the idea that we act like God is who he says he is. And that God will do what he says he will do. And it's this, this faith that is active. And in, in, um, in James, we read about the idea that active faith without being active is really actually dead. That faith without works is dead. In James 2, we read, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. And I say, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. This is something that our church takes very serious. If you've, if you've been around here, we believe that our faith, our active faith, is more than just head knowledge or just this knowledge of God is, and that's important, but it's this idea of serving our neighbors with abandonment. It's the idea of taking care of physical needs as well. is just as important as it's part of living out this active faith that Paul talks about. And sometimes I think faith can be looked at, especially from a, a secular point of view, as, as for people that are weak. You know, people that are just, well, you don't know how to handle life. You don't know how to really understand life. So just have faith. Just believe God is in control. Just have faith. And it's for the weak people. But I think the scriptures show us, and I think your lives also show us, that there's, that active faith is so strong. Because active faith takes a strong person to really have active faith. Because what active faith does, it sees reality. It sees the situation as it really is, but then it steps into it because it says God is who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he'll do. And it's this faith that says, I'm going to step into this, and God better show up, because if he doesn't show up, we are in trouble. 
And it's that kind of faith that, that says, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen here, God. I don't know, but I know that your word says this about who I am. I know that your word says about this, of how I'm supposed to act and do. And so I'm going to do this. I'm going to step into this faith. I know the world is crazy around me. I know that everything is falling around me. But I'm going to say, I'm going to step in and say, you've never left me. You've never forsaken me. And God, I'm going to step into that faith. It's a very brave thing to do, to take up, to make active our faith. We see this throughout Scripture in different places, and, and one would be uh, Caleb and Joshua, who were two spies, two of the 12 spies that were sent in when the Israelites were got freed from slavery, they're going through the desert, they're going to their promised land that God is promised to give them, and they send in these spies, to, these 12 spies to go in, and they come back, and they all give the same report. They all give the true reality. The land is what it's supposed to be. God, the land is exactly what God said. It's flowing with milk and honey. Sounds sticky. Those are for the veggie tail people. But yes, you know, it's, it's a land that is flowing with milk and honey. It's perfect. It's got everything we need. It is amazing. One small thing. It's not even a small thing. One large thing. There are giants in the land. We can't take this. We, our army is not strong enough to take this land. We can't do it. Ten of them said that. Two of them saw the same thing, saw the same truths, even the giants as well. But they were like, you know what? But God, God can deliver us. God can take us. Now, unfortunately, in that case, the Israelites went with the 10 majority rule and um, decided not to. And their whole generation died in the desert because they were afraid to have an active faith like Caleb and Joshua had. Everyone saw the same situation, but they didn't have the boldness to step into the situation with an active faith. One of my favorites is David and Goliath, the story of that. And it's a great story. First, uh, First Samuel 17, I encourage you to read the whole story. Um, but David, this young boy, you know, goes out to, to help take bread and sandwiches and cheese to, the, to his brothers, his three older brothers out in the army, and there's the Philistines are on one hill, the Israelites are on the other hill. They, uh, for 40 days, they've been coming out in their war cry, like, ah! And they all stand on the hill and like, ah! And no, they don't fight. Like, because I learned this, that, that um, whoever would have taken the first advances put themselves at a huge disadvantage. So they, because of the train. So they were both like, yeah, we're going to kill you. We're going to kill you. But can you come first? Because we, we're going to die if we go first. So anyway, so they had this dude, Goliath, who was like 10 foot tall, uh, come up. And he's like, hey, let's take this one-on-one. Winner take all. You send one of your warriors. I'll fight them. Whoever wins gets everything. You become a slave to us. We become a slave to you. Winner take all. Here we go. And the Israelites were like petrified. They were, the army was just scared. Saul was scared, didn't know what to do. David walks into the scene as a young boy, under 20, because he couldn't be in the military yet. He, he walks in, sees the exact same thing, and he's like, what are you, you can't do this. Like, he's defying the army of God. Like, you can't do that. I'll take him. You know, and, this, and his brother's like, ah, you know, you're just a little boy. You know, don't you have some little sheep to take care of? Go back where you should be. And he's like, well, come on, he's defying our God. Well, like, I could take this guy, you know, and word gets back to Saul. And Saul's like, well, no one else is doing it. So, you know, what are, what are you going to do this? And, and David's like, oh, man, I, I fought lions, tigers, and bears, oh, my. You know, another, another yeah, see what I did there? Um, you know, and when there were sheep, you know, in it, I would go and take the sheep out of the bear's mouth. Like, yeah, that's a normal 
thing to do. And if the bear wouldn't run away, I would kill it. Like God delivered me from those kind of things. He can deliver me from this. These talking smack about our God and about our armies. You can't do that. I'll step into this. And you know the story. He steps into it. And I love even the trash talk that they have between them. Like Goliath is like, yeah, my dog that you send sticks at me, you know, I'm going to kill you. You're going to be just, uh, you know, and David's right back, you know, hey, yo, just to let you know, it's not by my strength, but because you're talking smack about God's army, you're going to die today. I'm going to come down. I'm going to kill you. Then I'm going to take your sword and cut off your head. Like he doesn't just stop there. I mean, he goes into things and it's like the shaming, like I'm going to take your sword, cut off your head. Just give me a heads up. Here's this little boy. So uh, Goliath, attacks. Goliath moves forward, and David kills him. You know, you know the story. David saw the same situation that the whole Israelite army saw. He saw the exact same thing, but he had the bravery to step into that situation. And I want to ask you this morning, when was the last time that you were left stunned and speechless by God's provisions? Times where you stepped into something that you knew that if God didn't show up, this was going to end badly for you. But you stepped into it and you saw God come through and you were left stunned and speechless. I believe that's what Paul is telling us to do by taking up an active faith. Not a faith that just, yeah, I believe in God. No, No, it's an active faith that I believe who he is, it says he is. And he'll do what he says he'll do. The African impala uh, is a little deer-like animal. Um, It's about three foot tall to the shoulders, so it's like a large dog kind of thing. But it has the amazing capability. It can jump up to 10 feet high and 30 feet long. Like this thing can just leap like crazy. God has given it that ability. But you can keep that animal in captive in a zoo with only a three foot high wall, and they won't jump. Because the African impala, even though it has the capability, it will not jump unless it can see where it's going to land. So there, if it can't see where it's going to land, it won't jump. And I think that is so true of us as well, that there's things in our lives that we have the capability of, that God has given us the ability to step into, that God is calling us to step into, but we can't see the end. We don't know how the story is going to end, and so we don't step in. We don't jump because we're afraid. And, and Paul's saying, you know, if you, want to, if you want to be able to stand firm, I want, you to have, I want you to take up. I want you to activate your faith. I want you to take that jump. So Paul says, he's, he's going through this whole thing. He's like, I, I want you, if you want to be able to stand firm in, the, um, in this life, if you want to be able to stand firm and know that you're doing the right things, I want you to, I want you to put on his identity. I want you to put on his righteousness. I want you to put on his peace. I want you to put on his truths about who you are. And I want you to take up. I want you to make active the word of God in your life. I want you to make active the salvation that you have, that you're, a slave, that you're no longer a slave to sin anymore, and that you have an eternal perspective. And I want you to take up a faith that's willing to step into things that I've called you and equipped you to step into, and I will come through. And although Paul ends his imagery of the, of the soldier at this point, he doesn't end with how do we really stand firm in this life. He has one more thing that he tells the early church to do. 
One more thing in addition to taking up and, and putting on, there's one more thing that he says, and if you want to be able to stand firm, again, and after everything that happens in life, to be able to stand firm, there's one more thing you need to do, and we're going to look at that next week. So at this time, I would like to invite the worship team to go ahead and prepare to lead us in our closing song. We've been singing this song, um, uh, Praise Your Name by Corey Voss. Uh, it's kind of a theme song for this, um, this uh, series that we're in. And I love this song for a lot of different reasons. It's a personal um, ministering one to me for the last probably six months or so. It's been steady in mind. But I, I love the imagery uh, and some of the language used in this song that says, you know, and, and think about this morning as you sing, and especially the active words in this song. Things that says, I will take hold of the truths of your promise. I will take hold of that. I will push through all the lies until all the lies crumble. I will push through. I will dance. I'm going to dance in the middle of the rain. I'm going to rest in the arms of the Father. Even rest can be a very active thing to be doing. And I'm going to praise His name. I'm going to pray. I'm going to put my focus on where my source and not the world. I'm going to praise Him because that's where my breakthrough comes through. That's where um, I know that my breakthrough is, is found. That's where my hope is found. And when we do these things, we put on these things, we take up these things, we have a proper perspective of things, we will see darkness around us fading. And brick by brick, we will see walls coming down. So if you're able, I invite you to stand and let's sing together this song, Praise Your Name.